Hey friends, welcome to Anna, Acacia, and Adulting. Yep, that was a lot of A's in one mouthful, but don't worry, it's going to be A-okay. We've created this podcast to help uncover, share, and talk through this thing we call adulting. You know, the stuff they should have taught you in school, but either don't or simply can't because life is your teacher. From finances to love life to how you grocery shop for one person, the changing ways of the world today, we got you covered. We told you, it'd be A-okay. Without knowing what I was doing next, without a job lined up, without uh, a different income source. Hello, hello everybody. Welcome to the uh, Adulting Podcast. This is episode five with Anna and Acacia. Hello, Anna. Oh, hello, Acacia. How goes it? It goes well. Where are we recording from today? We are recording on the Zoom, Zoom, Zoom. Uh, I am at my desk and you're at your desk. I am. It's because... Keisha felt a little sick yesterday and she freaked the fuck out and she did what everyone else did in Vancouver and got themselves tested. So now I have to stay in my house for 48 hours because that's a thing these days. It's such a weird time to Mm. navigate jobs and life and a sniffle. You think the world is ending when it could just be a general sniffle, but what if it's not? It is such a hard time. And today's topic is about jobs, starting jobs, how you choose jobs, leaving jobs. That's we're going to talk about that. And uh, we just want to touch base because it's totally, totally a thing about adulting where you navigate your job could set up your career. It affects your personality, affects your relationships. And we want to touch all those points. So all those points. But first of all, because our one of our episodes we did, um, I think episode three, we did budgeting. Yes. Anna and I spent four hours together the other day. If you saw that on our stories, if you're following us on our adulting podcast, uh, Instagram, um, at adulting, um, we spent four hours together organizing a budget sheet. And for who? Whose budget sheet? Our budget sheet. Anybody out there that needs some assistance helping things out, because for me, I don't know how to work a spreadsheet. I can use it, but getting it all worked out, having it planned out, understanding where everything is going and why, Anna is like such a great starting point from that. So like, uh, maybe that's a side job that you're going to get soon, Anna, like just drop, drop in some hints, hints, nudge, nudges for people. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge, food and wine go a long way. And yes. I enjoy this, which sounds so nerdy, but um, it takes some time, but it's a little bit of my nerd out moment. So nerd out moments. And we're going to have another session um, on financing financing, and I'm going to get some things going and then we're going to get together again to work out some more things with me. But one thing I realized is how much uh, McDonald's and like Starbucks I eat in a month. And so I'm trying to, uh, just reduce that budget a little bit, reduce that spending. So, and I was like, we're on Zoom and I pulled up a coffee in a jar and uh, it was from, I pre-made a coffee with my uh, coconut milk and my honey on okay. Tuesday, on Wednesday to go to teaching so that when I wanted my afternoon coffee, I could just heat up water and pour it into this so that not only was I zero wasting it, but it was already prepped for me. And I had no excuse to be like, oh, I don't have coffee. I need to get one. It's like, no, it's in Very my lunch bed. I just have to heat up water. Very interesting. Anyway, so. you got a coffee. I just got water. I'm, I'm on a one coffee right now. Drinking coffee black has kind of reduced my coffee consumption. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I'm sleeping like way too much these days. So I have water too. <laughs> balancing out. But we are talking about jobs and coffee definitely goes hand in hand with jobs. But mm-hmm. the first question we want to start with, well, I'd like to ask you, Keisha, is what did you want to do when you were younger? What was that one job? I feel like middle age, kind of 10, 11, 12, that you were like, that's what I'm going to do. For the longest time, I thought I wanted to be a vet. Interesting. And then in high school, you grow up and you're always taught to be a doctor or a police officer or a fireman or whatever. And then I was like, people around me were dental hygienists. And in high school, I wanted to become, coming out of high school, I wanted to become a dental hygienist, which if you know anything about me, I get very queasy over blood. But not the, yeah, you, you don't do well with the blood, you do well with the body, but as long as there's no blood involved. Yeah, so like, yeah, I wanted to be a veterinarian when I was younger. Don't know why, just kind of a thing. Um, and and yeah, I liked, I liked biology. I think that's why I was always mm. kind of like more the medical side of things because I really enjoyed I really enjoyed biology and I still really like learning about the body, but in a, dif- in a different way for different reasons yeah. now. What yeah. about you? What is little animal? I can distinctively remember grade eight, we had this substitute teacher come in um, and I feel like that teacher's name was Miss Hyatt or something was my real teacher's name anyway. Um, and I said, I want to become a teacher for the longest time. I want to become a teacher, school teacher. Um, and then grade 11, that switched to pursuing my uh, BFA, um, which we touched base in episode one, because of the Maclean's magazine, which ranks the Canadian universities. So if you are anyone looking at post-secondary schools, I really suggest when they come out with this edition, I can't remember, I think it's in the springtime. So it's kind of look at it in grade 11. So you plan grade 12, what to do, but it looks at the population of genders they look at the population of the school how many are masters versus undergraduate students um how are they ranked um so if i'm correct sfu's ranked number one in comprehension no comp something we should know um but anyway it it really also the way that sfu's program requires you to do electives which all schools do but the way it requires you to do your breath program your um quantitative courses and your writing courses really appealed to me so I was grade 11 and I at one point during the degree wanted tried to do the teaching program to do math and dance together actually and that didn't work out so I I've enjoyed I love teaching in the way I've always been I think a natural leader in many situations and I love sharing so I think that's why and those skills have come in elsewhere now so yeah and we'll touch I think that's a really great segue but we won't go into it right now but we will talk about how there's these big kind of titles of jobs and then all these things that fuel it but then we need to focus on what fuels it to better position ourselves for jobs that might totally totally work for us better than just becoming like a teacher and then we get frustrated that we're not a teacher and then we feel like our, our plans all like fall apart um what was your first job though? Because I think that's such, it could be game changing to how your whole career starts out. Totally. My first job was a sales associate at the buck or two. 
Oh. So if you're in. That's very BC. No BC, but um, it's like in the lower mainland before Dollarama kind of blew up everywhere. The buck or two, everything in the store was a dollar or two dollars. And then they started to progress into like they would have this one aisle that was like um, over two, but under 10. and then it's kind of like gone but I worked for this amazing couple that owned the mission guys a group of mission so like okay there's another thing but I I didn't want to be in a fast food uh, like McDonald's as a kid but I job I needed credits in high school for volunteering so I volunteered Mm -hmm. at the Bucker do they literally was like okay you can Work for, for us. You can work 16 hours for free. And they hired me the next day. They literally called me the next day and was like, hey, we really enjoyed you working with us. Do you want a job? When did you start there? 16. 16. Yeah. And I mean, very different from like kids that grow up in a studio usually get their first like job, whether it's volunteer based or paid working in the studio. I was not that oh. kid because I actually needed to pay for my classes. So well, I money that's a bc thing because i grew up in alberta where you didn't have this volunteer requirement to graduate mm-hmm. yeah. um so my first job i was 14 which in alberta you can start working i think at 12 or 13 at, at extreme PETA. and i was 14 and i remember just being exposed to this whole new world of people and things and after extreme PETA, i i think like i worked fast there. food yeah like- like Quiznos, mm. that's what it was. And I remember getting busy. So the, basically the, I quit slash the boss let me leave. Cause he's like, you can't work. You have no availability. Cause I was dancing seven days a week, which was fair. And then I remember the next time I got a job was at Tony Roma's, which is definitely an Alberta uh, chain, which is like a rib food establishment, which is so funny. And I worked for an amazing manager and also a manager that was complete ding dong and completely rude. So it was that balance of, I love working there for certain, for certain aspects. But if I was on shift with the other manager, I felt like she was the one who pulled my resignation letter out of my purse and wasn't even addressed to her. I remember that so distinctly. And so that was definitely a turning point. And then after that, I worked actually at a dance shop for Often on four years, mm-hmm. um, the most supportive place to work while doing high school and still dancing so much. I didn't work a lot there, but in the summers I could pick up more. And it was nice because it was a dance shop. So I knew what I was talking about and I felt really in my element, even though I was young and often running the store by myself. Um, yeah, I kind of did that on and off babysitting though. Let's just talk. I made some mad money babysitting and especially being in a dance studio where you've got so many families of younger students and my sister was younger right so having a younger sibling at the time like oh man I was babysitting so much and that's straight money so that was like the best I hate babysitting (laughs) I still do I'm sorry I'll hang out with my nieces and my nephews like no problem but I hate babysitting my mom would always try and be like yeah Keisha could laugh after your kid I'm like don't no. See, I'd be like, yeah, I'm there. When you need me tomorrow, great. I'd be like, four kids, no problem. You want me to cook dinner? And I would clean. Here's here's the nerdiest part. Um, part of the job for me of babysitting was when the kids went to bed. And it was totally in my head. No families asked me this ever. When the kids would go to bed, I would like reorganize cupboards and like clean cupboards. <laughs> and I definitely do that still today. But the families would come home and their front closet was like reorganized. And I would get rid of like the garbage and like the random dirt. And I would must have 
loved you. Yeah, you wonder why I kept good families. And I hope if any of them watch this will laugh. I know my ballet teacher back home, we're good friends now, but she will laugh because there's definitely one time I remember her coming home and she's like, what do you do? And I was like, well, I was just bored. I always felt guilty, I think, just sitting watching TV and getting paid Mm -hmm. for it when the kids were to bed, which obviously I'm there for security, but I always felt like I could be doing something. So I think that's why I would always like tidy up the room. And also these parents, I can only imagine it's their night out, they're spending the money. Why can't I give them more bang for their buck? Um, Because I would put myself in their shoes. (laughs) I was 13 or 14 and I would think of myself as a parent and go, it would be so nice to come home to someone who's competent and has like cleaned up. Right. I think when I was 13, 14, I had a toddler of a little sister. So I didn't want to look after other people. Right. And I was like, I got literally a toddler running around my own house. I was just like, oh. Right. No See, I was with, with Katie being about four years younger. I had always had the mom instinct at a place where I was just enough older to take care of her so it came quite yeah. naturally 11 years difference is just like i just want to be a kid yeah you're I like want to be a teenager um so what job did you have in university because that's if if you're a kid that i mean i'm always going to advocate if you don't know what you want to do take a year off go travel do something work maybe just do something. do something i don't think it's beneficial to make kids go to university so that they're doing something. I think, I think younger kids can do so much more with their time if they're encouraged to find things that they love to do. I would just say have a plan. If you're not going to go to university, don't sit around, get a job, do Do something that you like, volunteer, travel. Don't just, I might, I will like set a plan. If you're going to work for that year, then do it. Go work, learn skills that way which might lead into a great university choice or might lead into a great workforce. Mm -hmm. So in university, um, I can't remember what I worked this summer going into university, probably just at the dance shop still. But my, I actually was very, very fortunate to not really work during university. Um, My second year I became a CA, a community advisor, they called it on residence. So my first two years I lived on res and they a residence advisor they call it too so my second year university i was doing that so i was living but also taking care of my floor in a community aspect um so that year you could say i worked the whole year and summer after first year i actually went home to calgary and worked on a golf course but that was summer of 2013 when the floods happened so i did work on the golf course and it was amazing and it was outside and it was fun but for three weeks i shoveled mud I got paid for it. They were awesome in that they compensated us and were like feeding us. Um, but you had to literally shovel mud. So that was an interesting summer. Um, and then my years after second year, I don't remember what I did after third year, for sure. I worked at a bakery as well as had an internship at the dance center, which I'm super thankful for that opportunity. So I was kind of double dipping there. But I have to think about what I did after second year. So maybe you can go and I will think what I did. Well, mine's really easy. <laughs> okay. I had you one can. job throughout entire university. So my university, like getting into university was again, I went in thinking I was going to be a dental hygienist. So I started taking like uh, those biology science courses. And then I ended up going and taking an Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater. Well, sorry, the Ailey School audition. 
crazy that first year out of um university or high school and i got into that intensive so that changed like going to new york when i was 19 and 20 that changed my direction of like okay she's going to be a dental hygienist and live a nine to five predictable life to no you've never been predictable cash the only predictability in you is that you're not going to be predictable. Oh, well, that's, that's a way to view it. So I, I, so I was always working at the, the buck or two, but then I switched into dance. And so when going into the dance course, like, first of all, we're dancing six to eight hours, Monday to Friday, and then having to take academics on top of that. So I needed a job that was pretty damn flexible. So I got into serving right away for Tactic Club. Yep, yep. And I worked, I was fortunate enough that I didn't have to bust my butt to pay for school itself. Um, my grandparents had set up an education fund. Mm-hmm. Born, so thank you for them. But I needed to pay for life. So I needed a job that I could work 24 hours, which I smushed between 5.30 PM on a Friday and 8 p.m. on a Sunday. So I would do, I would clopen Friday, Saturday, and Mm -hmm. then I'd do the lunch on Sunday, which throughout entire university, so there's four years there. Uh, During my fourth year, I was so injured. Um, My body was never getting a break from dancing and serving in heels. Serving is so crazy on the body. And I think so many dancers and artists choose serving, but it is physically exhausting. Physically demanding. So I was breaking down. Um, So I quit all work in the fourth year of university. And then right out of university, I went back to serving. And I I recently got out of serving. in 2018 I quit serving and I've only taken a couple shifts here and there but I think everyone needs a hospitality job at some point in their life you got it from the golf course yeah I did the golf course like way earlier on that restaurant industry I think I I the golf course the once the golf course was up and running as it could the last two weeks of that summer they asked me to serve in the clubhouse because before I was doing kind of events and the golf the halfway house Um, so I remember serving and it was like the worst setup because I was on shift by myself with one other chef and it was like the Sunday morning rush. No managers were on shift, like just set up for me to fail. But I also realized I cannot balance a tray. I have very short memory issues. Like you asked me for a spoon. I completely forgot because I will remember that spoon a week later in the most random time, but I won't remember it two minutes later. And that's still an issue of mine today. So I was like, mm, no, I can't serve. And that's honestly like, that was, but everyone should because it's such a customer service thing. You you learn so many manners and ways to handle people um, and just pressure. You learn the pressure. Yeah. And I think it's important because the world, if you want to eat yeah. and not cook for yourself, yes. you're going to interact with someone in the hospitality industry and they just get shit on all the yeah. time. Yeah, And they don't, unless you've worked in the industry, you don't understand all the ins and outs that are going on behind the scene and in someone's brain. And so it just allows you to give them a benefit of the doubt for like a split second. Um, If you're bad at your job, you're bad at your job, but. And tipping people know that like, yeah, the kitchen and the hostess get some of that tip, but I always, 
in my very personal opinion, when I'm tipping the waiter, if, if they're bad, if the waiter, waitress was bad, they do not get a good tip. If the kitchen was bad, I'll give the server a good tip and then mention that the kitchen was bad. That's how I view it because majority of the tip money goes to them. But here's the thing that, yes, I get what you're saying, but here's the thing. I tip out my kitchen staff, my hostess, my front of house support, a percentage, Yeah. regardless of how much I make. So if nobody tips yep. me because they thought the kitchen was shitty, yep. I don't get to make anything off of that. Right. They still do. So it doesn't work like that. It doesn't. Well, so they don't get, get as big of a percentage is what I'm saying. If the I give server 10, doesn't, it's 20. So the server doesn't get. So yes, overall, the percentage is less, but it doesn't matter. I still have to tip on my kitchen staff. Yep. But you at the end of the day, anyway, we're going off track here. Going like less in that case. Um, but uh, yeah, to get back on track. Um, so the university, okay, we're not in university. We're adulting now. We're like living in the real world. Um, and that's, I mean, talk about today in the real world. Let's not, I don't even want to go there because I don't even know, but it kind of is re very relevant. Yes. We'd like to thank today's podcast sponsor, Drumroll, please. We're still dreaming of having a sponsor. <laughs> and until uh, we get one, we're going to keep putting it out there that we see your business being promoted through us. So we love helping small businesses. If you're listening to us and you're like, yes, I'm going to send them my product because I want to get into more hands of people. You never know who's listening and you never know who might need a service or a product or uh, an event to go to. So send us an email and let's help each other out. Welcome to part two of this uh, episode because we realized we needed to uh, edit some things. Anna, just yes. really big. What did you just do? And Ooh, I, quit quit my job. I quit my job. I quit my job without knowing what I was doing next, without a job lined up, without uh, a different income source ready to go without uh, $10,000 worth of savings in my pocket. Uh, I just, I just wrote the letter and I quit it. So proud of you. I've done it. Thank you. Um, yeah. And I, I touch on this because um, when you're in a position uh, of work that doesn't fit your personal values or doesn't feel right, or the growth opportunity has uh, been limited, it's time to make a big change. And sometimes mm -hmm. I have been in positions where it's been, I've been able to voice that and that change has happened internally, but not always. And so I mention this because there is that specific feeling of this feels weird, awkward, something's off, it's not lining up. And not every job will line up with your personal values. I and mean, that's kind of why it's a job and not your personal life. But there's this this feeling of, mm, I just, you know, I'm feeling something. And for me, it was a huge mental health um, position where I felt like I wasn't myself anymore. And there was not the growth opportunity to refine myself or to grow my skills. I felt like they had been maximized and it was time to make a change. And by quitting a job without lining something else up, also just relieved that space in my brain that 
I needed to have to find part two. Um, and it's not easy. And a lot of the time you're weighing pros and cons. And that was a huge thing for me. There was a huge con staying there and there was a huge pro staying, wait, no, huge con leaving and huge pro to stay or people. Um, and it kind of touches into the idea of when you look for new jobs or the position you're in, um, what drives you for that job? And I mentioned this because it could be something as simple as a financial situation that it really it is the right place in your life. You want to buy a house, so you need that job that pays the pays the right bills. Um, but also, I think I recently heard something about Generation Z. I hope I'm right. The generation kind of below us, below millennials, that social impact is a huge thing, sustainability, what the company stands for, what the brand stands for. And this is interesting if you're actually listening and developing any kind of business what do you stand for and i know myself like when i look up a company or someone who makes a product i look up if they tell me where their product is made it, it matters to me and when you look at a company it may not be that i love food we all know i love food but that doesn't really it's not the place that's going to drive my skill set but if it's a place that can help people or is making a change in this world that's really important to me and it might be a roundabout way but if it's a program or a company that is helping make that impact on a grander scale it's something i'm interested in doing so when you're looking for new jobs there's definitely your skill set the requirements does it match your schedule all the kind of um what is that realistic or quantitative things but also what does that company stand for and i think the people if you think about it this is like big picture thinking all these companies are what they are because of the people that are there mm -hmm. so a company can completely drastically change if a ceo takes over and is a different person and it can trickle down if you think of any job like it is, it is what it is because of the five people who started it. And then the sixth person came in and one left and that changed it. So what, what would the company be like now if a different person came in? And so looking at new positions, you are going to change that company coming in. Even if it's a huge organization, you are going to change the department because you're a new person and it is going to make up, it's going to make up the inner workings. So really recognize growth opportunity don't be shy to apply for a job that might be outside of your skill set um if it tells you you need three years work experience i want to say this outside of COVID time because i think the job force is very high demand and high demand or low demand high depends on what industry you're in true but there's a lot of resumes being sent in to those indeed applications that are available online right now so just know that in normal times, maybe if you don't quite have the skills, you will get chosen, but it's hard to apply for jobs right now. So when Anna told me this, when she'd quit her job, without having any plan in place, which for one blew, blew my mind, but I was so, I was so excited for her. And I also had so much trust in the universe and, and her that she would find something. And it just like, I think that's a huge thing that we need to remind people when they're shifting through jobs or when you're positioned where you're like, I don't know what's going to come. Like even my yeah, yeah. job of completely being up and down, everything I do is self-employed. Everything is determined on, you know, I don't clock into a company and clock out and get paid. I have yeah. to work for the sale, work for the client, work for the job, continue my learning and going on and on. And just trusting that it's all coming and that, if we just keep plugging, not plugging away, that's a 
weird energy around that word, but if we keep putting one foot in front of the other, right. like doors will open, connections will happen, opportunity will come on knocking on your door. And it's not the end of the world if we don't have our careers figured out. At, for us at 25, I think we get pushed through high school thinking that we have to have a career by the time we're 22 and we get out of university per se. And then when things don't happen the way that a, they're supposed to plan out by 25, 30, it's like so shocking and so disheartening. But if we, I think going back to then generation Z, generation Z, however you want to pronounce it, they've seen us make mistakes. They've seen companies. They've seen the boom like push, push, push too, because right. I think their boom, boomers might be their grandparents for some of them, which is crazy. But but there's definitely this different. I, I still want to reiterate for anyone into adulting. There's definitely you got to update your resume and you've got to you know present well at an interview and put all those things forward. But there's definitely a difference in like ask those questions, build those connections, build on if you know someone. Like you just got to to put yourself out there and things will happen. Things will happen. And I think, I mean, this ties into like the next point we wanted to talk about, which is like, um, this idea of, of just finding a job, which yeah. is fine. if you need to find a job, you just find a job to like pay your bills and cover your things. But going for something that does light you up. I think as kids, when we're pushed to be just the doctor, the fire fighter, and I that dating the one right now um nothing to him um but we have these like labels for these big jobs that we're supposed yeah. to have and then when you get out into the world you realize that there's so many different jobs available there's the tech insane there's, there's so many distinctions security the guards the job labels are in are ever changing right now and something to put on that there is for sure positions that you have to go to school for veterinarian doctor engineer there's so many different types of engineers especially Those, software engineers you have to yes you have to do the work like nursing you have to go to nursing school for but we both have dance degrees and i would never imagine even in the time since graduation that we'd be doing the work we do both of us are mostly doing marketing work is what it ends up being but there's definitely sales and business strategy and budget mm -hmm. planning and if you if someone said did you learn that in school we didn't but i think school set us up for that moment of um, exploration for more skills and that's something i reiterate to younger people that if they want to pursue let's say their passion in school because not everyone agrees with doing dance as a degree but it it sparks that education it yeah. sparks the bigger thinking, the bigger research, and it just puts you in a place of learning um, so you can continue that throughout your life. Right. And you can learn anywhere. Like we said, if university is not your thing, don't think that you can't get a high paying job. Don't think that you can't mm -hmm. use your skills, learn on the job, you know. So I think when we're when you're going through your adulting, you know, you're starting in university or not, like, let's take university out of the picture. Like, if you're just someone who's like, our age, you know, late 20s, early 30s, and, you know, there's this thing that kind of happens when you start to get into your later 20s, where you start to do more self-development. And I can see yeah. the younger generation being inspired by people our age and a little bit older 
they're seeing us go through things and they're already thinking, oh, I don't want to make the mistake. So they're going to start self-developing yeah. a whole lot younger, which I my think sister is says to me, I feel old. She's like, I'm not going to make the mistakes you did. No, and it's great. And one of those things is self-development, finding out what your strengths are, finding out what your passions are. I think if we taught that consciously to more kids and the younger generation and ourselves as we continue to grow, we would be able to fit the jobs that are around us and our lifestyles much more easily. And we would just have more confidence going after things because I learned in my self-development that there's different types of people. Which is very interesting because we touched on this right before we started recording. And it's funny, the first one that you're going to give an example for, I think is hilarious between comparing you and I, and I'm just going to giggle as you explain it. Yes. So school, university, um, trade schools teach you how to be the employee. Like that's like when you want to think of like capitalism, they're just going to teach you how to like plug and play, like do this, clock in, clock out, do this job. But the world needs different people. So I learned through my mentor um, and uh, someone I look up to, James Wedmore, he talks about the visionary, the integrator, and the technician. And so the visionary person, the entrepreneur, the person that dreams up productions, the person that creates events, the person that wants to put together these big fundraisers or these it's big super visual. It's like you, you see this thing. You see You're this ready. Thing. They have a job to keep seeing the thing and keep create like keep creating the things that the integrator, aka managers can help deploy, which then gives the technicians, the employees, the worker bees, the people like checklists, the people that just want to come in, clock in, clock out. The visionary trickles down and gives jobs to the integrator manager is someone who, like Anna, really loves to bring everything together. She will take my idea and be like, okay, there's like these things that need to be done then. But she doesn't always have to and want to and do, and it's not in her strength to be the technician and the worker of all those little things. But then I've got my video editor who's a technician. He's like, give me a project and I'll do it for you. Give me the things and I'll put them all together. I don't like to put them all together. A note on that, the the counter to that is I'm not good at being the visionary. And I learned that Mm -hmm. really, I always joke that I've worked with people who are their creative and I'm the one who can build the Excel spreadsheet, which circle backs to the very beginning of our, of this episode, but everyone works together and they don't teach you that in school of how you break that up. No. Who who are you? And someone who doesn't want to be the clock in clock out person feels can feel like they live in a society that only offers them clock in clock out. Right. Someone who like you, but who is also an entrepreneur, you you're an entrepreneur in a different sense, but just having the confidence of like knowing like, okay, I don't want to create the vision, but I love working for visionary people. Yeah. gives you power in the jobs that you're going to go seek. And then someone who like likes to create the big things knows that they can seek people to create things with them and to help them. And then everybody has to come together. And I think if more people can find their strengths and then sit and, look for roles and positions and opportunities that like spark that 
yeah. the world would just, I honestly think everyone's going to be happier. I think a really simple example of that, and maybe you'll disagree, is in if, if you worked ever um, retail, like clothing retail, you, your coworkers and you are doing the same job, but then there's that one person who has to change the window display over or is asked to like change it to fall. That job was like, so even at the dance shop way back in the day, I was like, what do you mean? Like, what am I supposed to do? But if they said, here is the plan, you need to have three colors, three models, three bags, whatever it is. I'm like, great, cool. I can plan that. I can execute it. Yeah, but you'd yeah. be like, oh yeah, I'm fine with that. Like I've, I'll be creative and like, if we'll put this here and that there. And so in the most simple term is like in a retail shop, are you the person who's like really good at the cash register and figuring out how to um, build sheets and stuff? Or are you the person who's like, at the window like the vision of even the most simple store and you're able to put together things that coordinate and obviously fashion you have to have some sense there as well but um it's it's really hard i think in adulting um one thing i've learned through this time right now is rebuilding my confidence and um it's a very difficult thing to do when you're almost like not working now um, just to be confident in the skills you've built. When you take that step away from a position or you're taking a break in any kind of work, even on like a holiday break, take a step back and think about where have I grown from the start of a year or this position and and hold on to those skills. And that's been a difficult thing for me to learn that I have these skills and I have built them and they are valuable and they will be an asset to whoever gets to hold them and use them next. Um, because you know, you're up against other people and it's, it can totally be timing. I could be up against people who are definitely not as skilled as me or are way beyond skilled as me. And that's just my luck of the draw. So I just want people to, to know, I think too, working when you're younger, I do advocate for that and doing work in your teenage years, because I think as you get into, if you want to pursue university, it helps you understand. I like big corporations, small corporations, all those little things that and you... I think kids now can be like, yeah they can go volunteer do internships when they're younger with yep. these tools of like does your company do social impact like just even, do you have yoga on Fridays right just I think if I knew when I was younger that I was way more valuable than showing up to work makes me reliable and that mm you know, I can do just this task well is like what my, where my value my value sits and my worth sits. If I knew that like, oh, this lights me up, this lights me up, this lights me up, and this company does this, oh, I want to like volunteer for that company. I want to yeah, like yeah. intern for them because then that job could offer you so many things. Um, but we are starting to run out of time for this episode. Um, so I have one more thing that I want to mention, which is like books, I think that have really helped me. And I think everyone should read if they're looking for self-development. Acacia is definitely, you share the books. I okay. am trying to read more and it's not going well to be completely honest, but I do have one podcast, which I absolutely love. So you go for books first. So first of all, if you do want to read more books, if you're an early person like me, I read a few pages while I'm eating breakfast. That's how I've gotten through most of my books that I've read. I read a lot in 2018, 2019, like a lot. And I read a little bit less now. But there's a few books that I just like absolutely love is one when it comes to like 
the strength that we're talking about strength finder is a really cool like book to read it's very simple to read and it also if you buy the book or purchase the book it gives you a code or like online it gives you a code to take their test to find out your strengths and then it gives you like how to what to look for in jobs that are going to highlight that how to work with people with your, your strengths and vice versa yeah amazing the one thing is a book that just lets you if you're that visionary creative person you know what's what they have a the one thing has um, and we'll link all these books up in the show notes. So one thing has a thing that's like, what's the one thing I can do that's going to make everything else easier? Or um, I think it's like non-existence. I'm paraphrasing there, but you, you get the gist. You know what? I think I tried to read the one thing and it didn't work for me, which is so funny because when you just explained it, you said for the visionaries and I am not that. So it makes sense. Yeah. The, um, next the Big book. Leap is a great book for anybody. The Big Leap really talks about this like glass ceiling feeling that we get when we're trying to like grow, expand, mm-hmm. or like kind of self-sabotage us getting promotions and whatnot. It kind of t- talks a little bit on the spiritual side of things, um, not religious side of things, but more of like what your ego could be holding on to, what past teachings might be holding on to, and just kind of getting over that and understanding that you have to keep pushing your own glass ceiling higher and higher to, to go and to grow. And then another great ones for the creatives um, and anybody that is kind of like in limbo land of like, I don't know what I need to do next and just need that confidence yeah. boost. Um, You're a badass is super amazing. And for the creatives, this book is literally like, it's so thin. I think it's under 60 pages. And it's on, it sits in my bathroom for like a quick little read on the toilet, but it's called The Work. Oh my gosh. And it's so good for creatives because it basically just like calls out things, shows you like just each page is quotable. It's just like, and it's super simple to read. I read it in the bath one night, just got through it. My coach sent it to me as like a little pick me up. Um, so those are some great, simple reads, fun reads. Yep. knowledgeable and helpful reads and I'll link them up on all in the show notes for you my um I, I as I said I'm not a huge reader I do enjoy reading my my dad sends me a lot which is nice to hear more from a corporate side of things like what what is out there um I think inc.com inc.com has some really great articles that aren't long about what's happening in the workforce right now and little things you can learn there my favorite podcast in terms of entrepreneurship and listening to is how I built this Mm-hmm. I, I, Guy Roz, I'm maybe saying his name wrong with NPR. It talks on Eventbrite, uh, Slack, Lululemon, Burton, Burt's Bees, um, all these entrepreneurs that have started from nothing, whether it was zero dollars, zero skills, and how they built it. And that, even though I'm not in a place where I'm looking to build something right now, it has helped me just okay, they didn't know what they were doing. They learned the skill this way, or they learned it that way. They learned it in school. Okay, maybe I need more schooling. Um, Just to open your mind to what the possibilities are with the skills that you currently have and where you can go. So I really encourage, it's like, so I love the way he interviews all of the guests. Some are obviously more in tune to what maybe you're looking for than others, but it's like the best dish when you have to wash your dishes, listen to that. Um, Not another thing exactly like that. That's a great way to find things that might interest you is finding companies that you absolutely love, going yep. to their page, 
and seeing what positions they do have. Because oh, yeah, if you're someone sure. who likes graphics and you love like a company and yeah. they're like, oh, their marketing team. Yeah. And you love being graphics. Like that would just light you up that you not only love doing graphics, but you're doing it for a company that you also love to support. Or you um, want to learn from them. That's also too, is like you exactly. love the graphics. You're not quite sure how they've done that because it's not in your skill set. But if you can work for someone alongside or underneath that is doing that work, that's not going to harm you. And I think sometimes you have to take jobs that just like boost your skills to get you to the next step. So mm-hmm. That is our conversation on jobs. Please, if you have any, uh, DM us, send us Instagram. Our Instagram is adulting, A-A-A, adulting. (laughs) That's a weird way to spell it. But if you have anything to add about jobs that you've learned about yourself, something that's really helped you, or maybe you're in a position that you need that little boost, Keisha and I come from different backgrounds of jobs and also where we're going in our futures in terms of how our jobs are set up. Um, So we're happy to share our notes and our thoughts on everything. So thanks for listening. Remember to like, share, and comment. Yes. All right. Till the next one. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Adulting Podcast with Anna and Acacia. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to our podcast for episodes every two weeks. And give us a like. That Google human likes when people give podcasts a thumbs up to know who's cool. If you want to follow our friendship, follow us on Instagram, adulting, that's adulting with three A's, or on our personal pages at Anna underscore Duke and Acacia DB. We've included this all in our show notes for a one-stop easy click. We've included all of this in our show notes below.